It wasn't pretty, but the Twins salvaged a split with the Red Sox and a 5-5 homestand. They're headed to Detroit, and we're going to break down both series and give Joe Ryan some love after a tremendous start on Thursday. This is Locked on Twins. You are Locked on Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked On Twins. My name is Brandon Warren and you can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. You can see it on your screen if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks again for making Locked On Twins your first listen Every day we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As a reminder, comments are huge, especially on these live shows, because then I can put them up on the screen. We can chat about things that maybe I didn't think about during show prep. And of course, we want the fans to be a big part of the show, because without fans, the show wouldn't exist. Also, if you have questions you want answered on the show that you don't have time to get in the chat, feel free to just send them to me via Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren at Locked on Twins or the DMs are open. And finally, Twins, uh, Locked on Twins, breathless post game minute after most games. We'll have a quick minute recap, including, including a statistic that you will not find anywhere else at the end of each one. Now, I will make sure to use that stat in this show, so you will definitely get to hear it as well. Make sure you check out the Matt Lawton episode of uh, Locked on Twins. We had earlier this week Matt Lawton, a Twins outfielder from the mid-90s until he was traded at the deadline in 2001 for Rick Reed, a starting pitcher from the Mets. Uh, fun show. Matt was absolutely great. We're working on some other guests. And two, since we missed the show on Wednesday, we're going to have a bonus episode this weekend, and it's going to be grading the trades of the Falvey and Levine era. So we're going to have some fun with that. But before we get too far down the road, we got to talk about eBay Motors. Today's show is sponsored by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only applies to U.S. customers. Eligible items. Exclusions apply. Twins, Tigers on Friday, 5.40 p.m. So on the early side, it's Kent Maeda making his return after quite some time off. He'll face Joey Wentz, and you can catch every pitch of the Twins hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app with Corey and Danny. All you got to do is search Twins on the app. And as you might expect, we're going to get the show off the ground here with a little love for our friend Joe Ryan. He was absolutely tremendous on Thursday against the Red Sox, an offense that has been a doubles machine for the entire season. Um, Roughed up Twins pitching for 19 runs in the first two games of the series and needed to be walked off on Wednesday. Um, Much different result Thursday as the Twins kind of dominated from the get-go early on with a couple of big home runs from Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa. 
And good to see Buck up and going again. But we'll talk more about Buxton here in just a second. As, uh, again, we go, we want to give some love to Joe Ryan because he absolutely deserves it. So first complete game since Jose Barrios against the White Sox. 1,841 days ago. It was the 12th nine-inning complete game in MLB this season and the 16th overall. And that's including games that are eight innings or sh- rain-shortened games. And, in fact, uh, Jordan Lyles of the Royals, who has not won a game all season, even has a complete game. So it's uh, it's an interesting landscape out there. And um, at the same time, too, just a tremendous 6-0 win, Joe Ryan. Um, Twins' first complete game shutout since Jose Barrios on April 1st, 2018 at Baltimore. Twins won that game. 7-0, and that was the beginning of one of the more frustrating uh, seasons that I remember covering because that 2018 team I thought was going to be pretty good, especially when they signed uh, Lance Lynn and Marvin Gonzalez late. But Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton with home runs. Byron Buxton hit 931 feet were the home runs, and not only – that but in the first three innings and it's good to see buck back his slash now after a strong game is 215 315 459 so again you know it's not where you want to be but when you have the ebbs and flows where you go 0 for 20 and then go on a uh, heater and then 0 for 20 again such is life that's going to be kind of how things go royce lewis with a couple of hits to twins 10 Hits every starter. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't want to go down that road quite yet because there was some interesting strategy early on in this one. Um, more Joe Ryan, uh, 112 pitches. So that's the most by a Twins pitcher since Kenta, who was returning on uh, Friday, uh, through 118, 115, excuse me, in August 2020, August 18th, in a 4-3 win over Milwaukee at Target Field. As you'll remember, August in 2020 was very early in the 2020 season. Kenta had not been too far into his Twins career and uh, had a tremendous season, if I'm not mistaken, was second in Cy Young voting. So this was the 13th 100-pitch outing for the Twins this season. A career high for Ryan. I believe 110 was his high before, so went a little above and beyond, which is good to see. And 83 strikes through very, very many fastballs. Um, this is the most strikes by a Twins pitcher in a single game since Scott Baker back in 2011 when he had 87 against the Dodgers in a 1-0 win on June 29th, 2011. So almost exactly 12 years ago. And Scott Baker, big spot Scott, as uh, some of you may remember if you're of a certain age, um, you know, very good at his peak, but uh, got hurt and they just kind of went sideways from there. Joe Ryan, 16 swings and misses, almost all of them coming on his fastball, 12 of those on the fastball. Again, the fastball just had it today. Um, 75 of his 112 pitches were fastballs, 35 splits, one sweeper, one slider. So it was fastball splitter. And he still had the Red Sox eating 
out of the palm of his hand. So a uh, phenomenal effort. A couple of interesting things. The split averaged 85.3 miles per hour. That's up almost two miles per hour from his uh, season average. Fastball was up about a half a tick. So, um, you know, he's there was a, there was a post-game comment about Joe Ryan saying he felt really, really good. And uh, it was it was the post game interview. I'm having trouble remembering who it was, but um, he said he felt great. Um, nice bounce back too from the Detroit outing last time out. Uh, that Detroit series, obviously, we all know three of four dropped to the Tigers. Twins get the chance for a measure of revenge, but the Twins lost Ryan's last start uh, seven to one at Target Field, a big five spot. For the Tigers in the third inning, again, frustrating series. We were, don't need to really necessarily break that down again. But I want to say that was the inning that started with the Edouard Julien um, tough play at second base and just kind of snowballed from there. So, yeah, Joe Ryan bounces back after going uh, seven innings last time, but uh, seven strikeouts, two homers allowed, six earned. It was a nice get back on the bike outing for our friend Joe. And, um, you know, we'll see where the Twins go from here. We're going to have a nice breakdown of the Red Sox series, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the otherwise, but not before we give some love to Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is the shorts and pants Sponsor of Locked On Twins. Bird dogs make you look good. They are stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. If they can make me look good on the bottom half, they can make you look good as well. They're basically the same as Lululemon, but they fit better. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff kind of restricting cotton. Cloud knit fabric is what they're made of. It kind of looks like khaki shorts, but... Again, so comfortable. You can wear them anywhere, church, golf, baseball game, wherever you're headed. They're absolutely delightful. Um, not wearing them today. Otherwise, I would show you guys, but I do have the tumbler that I got with my order. And again, too, I keep saying this customer service was fantastic. I needed to get a new size of shorts that came in, and they were absolutely fantastic. So if you want to get in on this, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB, get a free Yeti style tumbler as the one I just showed you. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And that free tumbler, you will not want to take your bird dogs off once you put them on, although you probably should. All right, let's roll into the breakdown of the Red Sox series. Before we do that, thanks for making Locked on Twins your first listen every day. If you're an everydayer, check back tomorrow. Hopefully we'll be breaking down a Twins W. And then over the weekend, have that special episode I was kind of laying out for you on grading the trades of the Falvey and Levine era, because that seems to be a hot button topic right now on Twitter as far as have they been more good than bad or vice versa. So we'll break that down hopefully on Saturday or Sunday. I'm hoping for Saturday. Earlier the better. Twins Tigers, 5.40 p.m. with the series opener, Kenta Maeda making his return after, what is it, a couple months off almost, and Joey Wentz, they'll face the Southpaw. We'll see the Twins lineup that everyone freaks out about with Donovan Solano at the top. 
But you can catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. So homestand, 5-5, five and five, Red Sox series, 2-2, two and two, a split, however you want to slice it. Um, in Rocco Baldelli's post-game press conference, which featured a, a wonderful moment as his little daughter was in there with him, um, basically just handing him balls. He had a mini basketball. By the end of the press conference, she had given him like eight baseballs. It was just, it was very cute. And so I'm sure fathers of uh, children that are listening or watching can relate because kids are cute. They just are. Um, but the tale of the tape, we're going to break down how the twins fared in the series, it was very much a series offensively of haves and have-nots. So tale of the tape is something we're going to um, start doing here after series. It's basically just going to be statistics. I'll try to make it as not dry as possible for people who don't enjoy raw numbers. But the Twins, who had big series, five guys with an OPS over 1,300. So for context, 800 is solid, 900 is great, 1,000 is incredible. Byron Buxton, 1509. And again, it's a four-game sample size, but five or 14, four of those hits go for extra bases, including three home runs as the buck truck is back in business. Ryan Jeffers, five for eight with a couple uh, extra base hits, a couple of doubles. So he hits 625 in the series. Royce Lewis does a tremendous job going six for 12. Uh, homer and a double. The homer came late in the second game of the series on Tuesday. And Justin Morneau had an interesting comment in Thursday's game that I want to get to later about what that home run might have meant in conjunction with how that game ended. Because it was a pretty big uh, beatdown in place. And then the Twins added a few homers late off Corey Kluber. Christian Vasquez, two for six in the series. So basically, he and Jeffers teamed up to go seven for 14. They hit 500 as a duo. For the longest time, the Twins' offense uh, from catchers was real, real good at the beginning of the season. Obviously, has tailed off here as the season has gone on. Jeffers had an 0 for like 15 recently, and, and Vasquez just finally hit his first home run as a twin. But again, we could be seeing a resurgence there. And then Max Kepler, the DFA King himself had another tremendous, well, I shouldn't say another, uh, a tremendous series, four for 11, a couple of homers, and a 1326 OPS. But every player I didn't list outside those top five had an OPS under 705. Kyle Farmer had a 705. Otherwise, it's Correa with a 600, Julian with a 538, and it goes down and down from there. Alex Kirilov, especially troublesome. One for 11 in the series and gets lifted for a pinch hitter after one plate appearance in Thursday's game. Now, that's not exactly full disclosure what exactly happened. But um, Baldelli, Rocco Baldelli kind of had a gut check for the team after Tuesday's game. So they lose 9-3 on Monday. They lose 10-4 on Tuesday. And Rocco was basically like, I have nothing good to say about the game that just happened. I was about as frustrated frustrated as I've ever seen him, frustrated as anybody in Minnesota has seen him as long 
as he's been managing the Twins. And we're now into season five. So that's really saying something considering the Twins' first two seasons with Baldelli were very good. And the, the last two and a half have been, you know, we'll, we'll call them shaky just to be uh, charitable. But yeah, 9-3 loss. And the frustrating thing, I think, in Monday's game was the Twins come back. They tie it on a Christian Vasquez homer. Uh, Vasquez just unloads for the first time all season. James Paxton was great, by the way, throwing heat, starting to look like his old self, really hoping that he can stay healthy because, you know, it's just, it's been such a bumpy road for him. But um, Verdugo with a bases clearing triple in the sixth, Costas with a homer in the seventh. Um, Things just went sideways quickly once they got into the bullpen. Pablo was decent-ish. Four earned runs. Jose De Leon got roughed up with a three earned runs and an inning and a third. But ultimately, they, you know, it was, it was an ugly one, and it bled into another ugly one on Tuesday. Twins trailed 10-0 going into the eighth before Buxton hit a massive homer and Royce Lewis followed, and so did Max Kepler in the ninth. Now, the homers down 10 runs and then eventually you know, down six runs, they're not... They're not something fans are going to get excited about just out of general principle because, again, the game's not close. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna homer. They're going to do their little thing. They're going to play the Rage Against the Machine song. But, again, fans are like, you know, whatever. We stuck it out this late. At least we saw some fireworks. But Justin Morneau said that those homers can be a springboard. And for someone like me who's not really keen – on the concept of game-to-game momentum, you know, you're only as good as that day's starter. He made an interesting point. He said, when you're hitting like the Twins have hit now for, I mean, you could say all season, uh, you start to grip the bat a little tighter. You start to get real tense at the plate. You start to try to do too much. And it can really, like the baseball is a psychological game. And so it can get away from you quickly. And those slumps can really mount on you. I think we've seen that with any number of, of hitters. But he said, you know, when, you, when it's 10 nothing, you just go up there, get your rips in. You're not as worried about the pressure of the situation. You're not as worried about getting out of those slumps. You're just trying to kind of, you know, do your thing. And so Twins hit three home runs in rapid succession. And he said that could be the fuse, basically, that uh, lights the powder keg and maybe loosens up the offense a bit. They come back with a 5-4 walk-off win. Kyle Farmer with that dog in him on Wednesday. And then, again, 6-0, fairly dominant, or I would say even pretty much very dominant because the Red Sox only had three hits. Um, effort against the Red Sox. I, I would like to think it would lead the Twins to roll into Detroit and kind of get some retribution for that ridiculous series at Target Field. But, again, I'm a little skeptical about game-to-game momentum. At the same time, too, you know, this offense has just not gotten anything going all season long, so it'd be high time for that to happen. Um, Thursday's game, and just like every other game this season, though, was not without mistakes. Michael A. Taylor with a big one at, I mean, you could say second base, you could say third base. Um, So... Early on, it was the second inning, and the Twins had just taken 
a four nothing lead and Kyle Farmer hits for Kirilov after Solano hits for Julien. And those are the pinch hits in the second inning as the Red Sox win from Justin Garza to Brandon Walter. Um, Again, that strategy just doesn't sit well with me, and maybe we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, But Kyle Farmer absolutely crushes a baseball to, um, to center. And I believe it was Jaron Duran runs it down and throws back to the infield. Taylor got a pretty good uh, jump from second base where he had been from doubling to left to drive in a couple runs earlier in the inning. Rounds third and then heads straight back to second. Doesn't touch up on third base after rounding it and is ruled out. And um, that can't happen in the major leagues. Like that's a, that's a JV level rule violation. Like you should know you have to touch up again on any base you cross over when you're tagging up or not tagging up, I guess would be the, the way to put that. Um, so again, twins still need to clean up a lot of these issues that have been dogging them all season long. I mean, it doesn't mean that they can't win when making mistakes, but mistakes still make it much, much harder than it has to be. And that's why the twins right now are 38 and 38 as opposed to a pathetic, you know, their Pythagorean record, which is closer to probably like 40, 43 and 33, or, you know, maybe 42 and 34. You know, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but, you know, they should be doing a lot better based on runs scored and runs allowed. Um, Let's get into the Tiger series coming up. Twins, Tigers open up on Friday. It's a three-game set over the weekend before the Twins head to Atlanta for a rarely seen trip to check out Truist Park. I almost said Turner Field because we talked about Turner Field with Matt Lawton in the episode earlier this week because that's where the All-Star game was in 2000 when he represented the Twins. But Twins Tigers Friday, 5.40 p.m. locally. Maeda making his return against Joey Wentz. A lot of good reports on Maeda's uh, velo, relatively speaking, with his um, efforts at St. Paul. Louis Varlin sent out to make room for him. Now it sounds like Oliver Ortega is going to be the move on the active roster now. Ortega was brought up just to give the Twins an extra arm, a little extra boost after sending out Varland. Also, too, Kyle Garlic DFA'd. We'll keep an eye on that because if he clears waivers, we'll see if he stays in the organization. He can reject his assignment and become a free agent, and perhaps there's a team out there looking for a cheap lefty masher. So we may be seeing the swan song of Mr. Kyle Garlic in the Twins organization, but we'll we'll keep an eye on it. But anyway, the series is um, Maeda and Wentz, which you can catch – Uh, every pitch of that game and every other twins hometown broadcast with Corey and Danny with the Sirius XM uh, with Sirius XM on the SXM app, just search twins. Um, So it's Pablo Lopez and Reese Olson on Saturday, Pablo looking to get, uh, you know, get back on track. Then Bailey Ober against Michael Lorenzen. So again, three pitching matchups that would seem to favor the twins, but, You could have said that earlier in the last series as well. Tigers took two of three from the Royals. Just an absolutely dreadful Royals team. 
Tigers lead that season series four to two. Javi Baez gets his thousandth hit in um, the last game of the series on um, on Wednesday. They had a three-game set. They had a day off on Thursday. So they'll come in well-rested, whereas the Twins are kind of in the thick of it in their big, long stretch here. They'll, they'll go to Atlanta and then have next Thursday off. So they still have, um, I believe it's six games to go. Yep, six games to go before they have an off day next Thursday, and then they head to Baltimore. So going to be a, a test after Detroit, and again, after how they played against Detroit at Target Field, a test there as well. Um, Detroit, yeah, not much has changed. They haven't made any roster moves since they faced the Twins. So going to be kind of business as usual. Um, again, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on Miguel Cabrera. He's chasing couple of guys on the home run list. I think one was Mel Ott and uh, who was the other one? I'm actually going to look it up because I, I'm interested. I know one was Mel Ott and then the other was, here we go. Um, Gary Sheffield. Yep. So Gary Sheff, Miguel Cabrera is 508. It means he passed Eddie Murray who had 504, uh, 28 players all time with 500 homers. His next one will tie him with Gary Sheffield, and then he'll need two more for Mel Ott, another one after that for Ernie Banks and Eddie Matthews. We'll see what he has in him this season because at 521, there's Ted Williams, Frank Thomas, and Willie McCovey. Really unlikely based on the fact that he would need 13 more homers, and he only has one right now. But after what we saw from Albert Pujols last season, I guess you can't really rule anything out. Um but again, that's that's kind of what Miguel Cabrera is chasing at this point, kind of, you know, obviously winding down his career. Um, other than that, though, you know, the, the divisional stuff continues to ramp up. Uh, you look at the, the standings as we sit, Twins 38 and 38, Guardians 36 and 38, Tigers actually ahead of the White Sox by a game and a half, uh, all those games in the loss column. The White Sox have three more losses at 32 and 44. Tigers 32 and 41. And then the Royals way down there at 20 and 54. Right now, playoff odds for the Twins, 63%. That's at 61.9 to win the division. Pretty much the rest of those odds lie with the Guardians at 30.7. And the rest of the division kind of battling for whatever scraps they can find. Uh, we have an old friend update. We skipped the old friend update in the Matt Lawton episode, but we're going to try to end every regular episode with an old friend update because I know our friend of the show, Jimmy, enjoys keeping up with old friends. And it actually, uh, for better or worse, seems to be something Twins fans enjoy. Um, Gio Urshela, who was traded in the offseason, was off to a really nice start with the Angels hitting 299 with a 329 on base, 374 slugging. So not much power, but, uh, you know, doing the trick uh, batting average-wise. But suffered a fractured pelvis. Won't need surgery, but he's going to miss the rest of the season. He's headed into free agency here. It's going to be interesting to see what that does to his market. Other free agents who are coming off injuries. Reese Hoskins is coming off a bad injury. So we'll see how those market uh, markets are affected. But yeah, Urshela had a 299 average. He'd been worth about you know half a win, depending on which war you like. Just having a pretty solid season for an Angels team that um, 
you know, they've been they've been fairly decent. It's kind of a weird year out west. Angels are 41 and 35, six games out as the Rangers have just kind of taken off. But they'll be without our friend Gio Urshela the rest of the way. It looks like Luis Rengifo will take over. But a bonus, bonus old friend, and it was a very brief old friend, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa in tonight's game not only hit a home run, which is excessively, excessively rare for him in a 10-2 loss. In fact, he hit it in the ninth inning off Chris Flex and accounted for the only two runs, like I said, 10-2 loss. But he also had a strikeout pitching in the ninth inning, striking out um, Eugenio or Eugenio Suarez on uh, <laughs> six straight fastballs, all ranging from 74 to 78 miles per hour. So Suarez is going to want to file that one away in the uh, in the trash can in the recycling bin. But kind of Falefa twin for about 10 minutes here before the start of last season, a uh, strikeout and a home run in the same game. I believe he was the first Yankee since Mel Stottlemyre to do so back in 1971, back before the DH was instituted in 73. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. I want to thank you for hanging out. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren, Locked on Twins at Locked on Twins. And then I'll be on the Locked on uh, roundtable Friday morning with Ron Johnson and Sam Ekstrom and Luke Inman. So make sure to check that out as well. Thanks for making Locked on Twins your first listen every day. And I, you know, I know we've been inconsistent with these. We did have an illness in the house last night that I had to account for, but little man goes to daycare in July. So I will get on a much more consistent po podcast posting schedule to where you guys can rely on a new show every morning as opposed to, you know, one morning, one night, one morning, one night. Because, again, I want you guys to have the product that you signed up for. So, again, if you have any uh, suggestions, whatever you have, send them my way. I want to make the show the very best possible uh, show it can be. Subscribe, like, give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Or if you're watching, like us, subscribe on YouTube, hang out in the comments. And send us questions for the last segment. Usually we'll do the seventh inning stretch. Voice of the fan will answer your questions. But we were full, we were chock full of uh, catching up on this episode, so we didn't get to any questions. Anyway, this is Brandon Warren signing off saying thank you so much for hanging out. And don't forget to stop by tomorrow. <laughs>